Hey, bitches. You gotta say, you gotta say, bitches. Okay, bitches. I, did I, I do I, it right? Okay. I, hey, that was close. bitches. Is that better? That was so much better. I did like that intro music. It was very like '80s. Yeah. Like, was, noir. Uh, thank you. It's very trendy nowadays. Is to go nostalgic route. Yeah, I paid 80s. good money for that, so I'm glad you like it. <laughs> we paid like five dollars for it. Oh no, I paid like twenty dollars for that. Oh shit. my god. You paid twenty dollars for the intro. Well, you have to. Yeah. You can't legally. <clears throat> You have to legally be, be allowed like, to use... Yeah, you gotta own the copyrights, my, my dude. This could have been on one of your podcasts about how you illegally stole it, and you know, and you're currently in the process of being convicted for it. Fuck. Yeah, so you missed, missed opportunity. Your, you missed, yeah, exactly. True. That's true. That's true. Um, well, if you didn't know, you are listening to Hot for Justice podcast. Uh, my name is Jamie. I'm always here. And uh, I have my former roommate, Russell, here filling in for the now, no longer thick with child, Jessica. No. She has birthed. This is the first episode since Jessica has now yes. lost. Well, the... first one that we've recorded. Yeah. Because we recorded everything else That's prior. True. This is the first one since she's officially lost the pregnancy status. She is now mom. Yes, she no longer has a parasite feeding off of her innards. She has a full-ass human child. So she's less entertaining. Like she's like not as like. <laughs> no, she gets to do like, like you know it's not as cool anymore. It was way cooler when you were pregnant. Can you do that again? <laughs> no, now she gets to do the stressed mom jokes. But yeah, oh, that's oh that's good. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was up at one a.m. You know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But that was due to the cocaine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just to keep up with the child. I'm glad that you introduced me as the foreign roommate. You know, I was the best man at your wedding, but it's good to be. No, this time you weren't my best man. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Wow. <laughs> All right. I didn't have one of those. <laughs> You could have. You didn't ask. He got to me first. That's right. He did, so I couldn't ask. So there you fucking go. Um, I'm pretty sure that we've mentioned you in passing a couple of occasions. You don't listen to my show, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I'm a couple, good a couple episodes. We, uh, <laughs> a couple episodes ago, we mentioned that Russ was dead to us because he moved out. Yeah. So, wow. God forbid anyone ever fucking change their lives around you people. I know. How dare you get engaged and move in with your fiance? <laughs> that was a mistake. I can tell you right now. Um, I really regret it. I miss this place a lot. Um, Note to self, isolate that clip and send it right to Erica. Um, <laughs> you know what? Get her on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, she'll be like, Jamie, why are you calling me? <laughs> What's wrong? Russell has something to tell you. <laughs> I gotta stay here. I can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have a roommate again. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you heard it here, fo- here folks. Um, anyways, yeah, so... Um, I tried to get Russell prepared to come on the show. Um, I was like, yeah, pick your favorite murder and talk about it. He was like, I couldn't find the murder that I wanted to do. <laughs> Sorry, I know all the details except for the important ones, like the name, the place, the Listen, victims. I think we should just have, as punishment, we should make Russ talk about Murder Mountain. <laughs> just cause I, I knew it. I knew what this is about. This is a celebrity guest because I came from Humboldt. By the way, folks, Murder Mountain isn't really that bad. You just don't double-cross weed farmers, and you're fine. (laughs) Just don't piss off any one of them, and they won't hit you in the back of the head with a shovel and bury you on their property. (laughs) If anybody needs reference, it's a documentary on Netflix called Murder Mountain, which basically tries to paint Humboldt as this modern-day, just dystopian hellscape where there's no law, and weed farmers run the run the town 
I mean, I mean, it's it's semi accurate. At least the wheat farmers have a lot of power, but it's not like they're like this shadow group. That's what it like collective, like, like with a bunch of bearded, you know, like duck hunter show or whatever it was. Those guys with all like the beards. Like we have, we've deemed you unworthy of the pot growth. No, none of that shit happens. We deem you unworthy of the pot growth. The worst place to go to is Eureka, just because meth is really booming there. Like, That's what Spencer keeps telling um, me. <laughs> If you're in the in the, if you're in the market of starting a, a nice meth business, trust me, Eureka is the place to go. It's like a train opening up in a small, you know, Midwest town in the Gold Rush era. Things are are booming. Wow. Mostly the meth labs. They're booming. But. <laughs> <laughs> it's the amateur meth labs. Yeah. They're the ones that are booming. Those idiots. <laughs> um. So. Because you didn't have, you know, the proper details of your case, I chose one for you. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I'm okay with that. Um, I mean, I'm going to go first, just, you know, based on principle. Mm-hmm. Um, just because yours, I'm pretty sure, is going to be a stream of consciousness of um, a documentary that I watched and you got glimpses of and Zach also got glimpses of. Yeah. Um, so, Russell, actually, I'm not even going to, like, spoil it yet. You guys are going to find out what he's going to talk about. But right. I'm talking about, like, some weird-ass shit. So... I found this found this one this morning, and I was like, "Oh, Russ is gonna be all over this." Mm-hmm. So I'm hard. Um, I'm reading what I'm reading off of a blog from the Kansas City History like website. Uh, someone that like works, I guess, for the city of Kansas City did like a blog post about it, and or I guess like a two part blog post. So I'm gonna read that, and it's <sighs> the mystery of room 1046. Ooh, I like it. When it has to do with hotels or something like that, there's always, like, some, like, you know, it's like the guy from the poltergeist saying, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Like, there's some kind of ghost involved. It's exactly like the poltergeist. All right. Well, okay, so I picked this one mostly because you work at a hotel. And we have have a ghost. His name is Payasa Phantasma. He's a ghost clown. Get the fuck out of here. That's your Twitter handle, you asshole. (laughs) Sorry, I just like throwing that joke in anywhere I can, so. Um... So, yeah, that's why I chose it initially, and then I was like, ooh, this is twisty. So then... (laughs) Twisty, It's a twisty bitch, okay? (laughs) So, a little before 11 p.m. on Thursday, January 3rd, 1935, Robert Lane was driving on 13th Street. Lane worked for the Kansas City Water Department. He later said that as he drove, he noticed something rather strange. As he approached Lydia Avenue... My dog is fucking on one right now. Is he okay, Okay. All right. Oh, oh, he, oh, just, he, he wants to play, and, and we're just ignoring he him wants because to, yeah. we have things he, to do. He has his bear, and he's very upset that nobody wants to. This is know. adult time. Yeah. Can you see yourself, you know, elsewhere if you're gonna cause a ruckus, Charlie? Yeah. I'll, I'll distract. Excellent. <clears throat> and seriously, dude, you you got to ruckus level. You can't do that. Yeah, absolutely not. This is mommy's podcast. Okay. Yeah. Behave. Um, Beehive. Oh, sorry. Beehive. <laughs> Um, as he approached Lydia Avenue, he saw a man running west on the north side of the street. This man was clad in trousers, shoes, and an undershirt. That's all. He's prepared. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, through the day, he had been pretty mild. The day had been pretty mild by January standards. He must have felt a little chilled. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I this, guess. <laughs> by the way, this blog post is very excellently excellently written. I'm very. It's great. <laughs> this person's like really deep into the mindset of the guy who ran west on the north side of the street they really wanted to emphasize that it's like by the way they understood a compass and they understood how to cool off in january well this was written in like the like like mid 2010s so yeah no one else i don't know what fucking northwest is other than you know the child of you know kanye west oh of course 
That's about all I know about Northwest. So maybe that's what, who they saw in 1935. <laughs> <laughs> it's the spectral presence of Northwest. <laughs> um, he waved and shouted at Lane to stop. Uh, he approached Lane's stop car, but slowed, furrowing his forehead, and apologized, saying, I'm sorry, I thought you were a taxi, and then looked up and down the street. Will you take me to somewhere I can get a cab? Lane nods and replies, you look like you've been in it real bad. The man grumbled. <laughs> I got you, man. <laughs> Bruh, I got you. <laughs> I'm glad you could at least get your shoes on in your haste. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but you can, um, couldn't put on a proper fucking shirt. <laughs> your Sunday best? I don't think so. Well, this was a Wednesday, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's working hours, all right? <laughs> it's 11 p.m. <laughs> Some of us work for a living. All right, all right. The man grumbled, I'll kill that. And then here, the Kansas City Times printed a long dash to indicate a deleted explicative tomorrow. So I'd like to I'd like to believe that this reads, I'll kill that fucker tomorrow. Or like, I'll kill that asshole tomorrow. Oh, okay. But like, Someone's <laughs> like, oh, I'm busy tonight. I don't have time. <laughs> Didn't write in my itinerary. I'm about to put this off, all right? <laughs> so as he opened the door, uh, he, he said that as he was opening the door and he got in the back seat. Uh, Lane glanced at the man, shifted gears, and headed his car toward 12th and Trost. He stared quietly at the man through his rearview mirror, noticing a deep scratch on his left arm. He also noticed that the man had his hands cuffed. Lane thought that the man might be trying to catch blood from a wound more profound than the scratch on his arm. As the car approached the desired intersection, the man thanks, thanks Lane as he jumps out. <clears throat> then he ran to the driver's side of the park of a park taxi, opened the door, and honked the horn. <laughs> This guy is such an asshole. Fucking great. <laughs> Very quickly, the cabbie could be seen hurrying from a restaurant where he had been eating, and then Lane drives off. How fucking rude is that? <laughs> hey, hey, bitch! <laughs> Stop your lunch. I need to go. <laughs> Again, it's 11 p.m. It's dinner, okay? <laughs> Whatever. I don't. It's his lunch break. I don't care. <laughs> That's so fucking rude, though. He's just trying to live his best life, eat a shitty sandwich. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, we don't even know what he was eating. He could. It was 1935. It was probably a nice roast beef. Maybe a Salisbury steak. Yeah, or uh, you know, corned beef and hash. I don't know. It's probably order. definitely corned beef and hash. Yeah, maybe bologna. Um, ooh, that's ooh. still that still like frustrates me that a guy did that. Like that's so rude. What like, a dick. That's like me on break at work and someone like kicking the door in at the bistro and going, "I got to check in, pal." And I'm like, "There's <laughs> other people there. You didn't have to come find me." No, no, no. What he does is he takes the bell off of the front desk and like just like carries it to the bistro where you're eating dinner. <laughs> I just start just hitting it so many times, yeah. and I'm like, "Can I help you? Are you trying to do like a one man show?" Just like that. Um, okay. So, Wednesday, the second day of the new year, a lone man carrying no luggage enters the hotel president at 14th and Baltimore. I skipped a couple paragraphs of kind of non-important information. They were, like, really detailing, the, like, the way the sun was setting on the city. Like, too much shit that didn't matter, right? No, it's really... So, like, it's a lot of, like, crime-related news that was, like, adjacent to, like, that same week. Okay. That was, like, in, the, like, the newspaper. All right. And so it, it's not, like, super-duper important. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, when it was that same Wednesday. Lone man carrying no, uh, carrying no luggage enters the Hotel President at 14th and Baltimore, four blocks from the Central Library. He apparently had one of those faces that different people read in different ways. One account gives his age as 20 to 25, another is 25 to 30, and then another places him around 35. Um, it was around 1.20 in the afternoon. The man went to the front desk and asked for an interior room several floors up. He had signed the register as Ro uh, Roland T. Owen and gave Los Angeles as his home address. He paid for one day. Roland and Towen. Oh, God. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Owen had a cauliflower left ear, which made it easy for people to see him as a professional boxer or maybe a wrestler. He had dark brown hair and a large horizontal scar in the side of his scalp right above his ear. Uh, This was at least partially covered by the hair that he had combed over to hide the disfigurement. The desk clerk gave Mr. Owen the key to room 1046 and sent the bellboy uh, Randolph Probst uh, with him to the elevator to show Owen the way to his room. Uh, Probst later described Owen as neatly dressed, wearing a black overcoat. Probst and Owen chatted on the way up to the 10th floor. Owen told the bellboy that he had been at a Muhlenbach hotel the night before, but they had charged him an outrageous price of $5 for his room. With inflation... (laughs) (laughs) This is outrageous! I needed this to see me through the next year. (laughs) So, um, in 2012 money, this would have been about 80 bucks. Okay, I'm still not feeling it for him. Like, how poor are you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is Kansas City. It's not fucking California, my dude. Okay, to be fair, okay, yeah, there there are broken shit over there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And we have just isolated all of our Kansas City listeners. (laughs) They understand. You could buy a house there for $60,000, and it'll fit, like, seven families. But <laughs> nobody has that money there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> As the two get off the elevator on the 10th floor, they turn right and head down the corridor, turn left at the corner, and then left again where the corridor reached the corner of the stairwell. Room 1046 was just down the hallway on their left, on the inner row of rooms looking down at the hotel's court rather than at the outer row that looked, on, looked down on 14th Street. Owen unlocked the door and entered while Probst turned on the light. Owen walked through a short entryway, uh, the closet to his right, bathroom to his left, and saw the room itself. Beyond the entryway, it measured about uh, 9 by 12. Um, the bed was to his right and the small stand with the telephone to his left. By the way, this is a very fucking detailed description yeah, of a like, hotel room. I'm, I'm there right now. I know. I, I am I feel, in the hotel room. I feel like this is CSI, like where they like do a hologram of the room that we don't have that kind of technology. Like that. Yes, and then um, I make a shitty pun and take off my glasses and you hear, Wah! Yeah, and, and then... <laughs> You know, then the quirky, like, science guy says something about, like, autism, and everyone's like, oh, thank you for bringing attention to that in this episode. Like, yes. That's what's happening. Right and then, now. like, the very, like, last, like, screen is, like, this episode received funding by, like, autism awareness, <laughs> yeah, or, like, whatever the fuck. Before we get into it, yeah, so he, I mean, he's in the hotel room, it's 9 by 12, which, actually, that sounds pretty small, but I don't know. But also um, it's, like, 35, so I mean, yeah. like, whatever. And then... <clears throat> Beds to his right, end table, whatever. Probably not a flat screen TV. Which Definitely not a flat screen TV. has not been renovated yet. Um, so, okay, he's in there. Now what? Um, by the way, the phone that's on the nightstand plays a very big key. So just, I'm foreshadowing a little bit. It only has, like, the one key on it? Yes. Okay. I, I, don't, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I, know, I know we said we were in the room, but, like, not really, okay? All right, all right. So, uh, don't pro- yell at me. Probe watched as Owen took a black hairbrush from his overcoat pocket, along with a black comb and toothpaste. That's all he had. Owen placed three, the three items above the sink, and the two men exited the room where they... I'm going to stop. That $5, too expensive, it's starting to hit home now. Because if all he's got is toothbrush, toothpaste, <laughs> and, a, and a hairbrush, okay, I feel it. I feel bad. For well, him. yeah, remember, he had no luggage, so... <laughs> he's like, this is all I have. Yep. Um... Da, 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 da. They exited the room and headed uh, back down the hallway towards the elevator. Uh, Probst asked if it was okay with Owen if, Pro- if he went back to the room and locked it. Owen gave him the key, and Probst went back to the room, turned off the lights, and locked the door. He then returned to Owen, gave him the key, and the two of them took the elevator back to the first floor, where Probst went back to his duties, and Owen left the building. The maid that first day, Mary Soaptick. I'm sorry? S O P T I C. 
It is not soap dick. That I know that's what you fucking heard. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a clean fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, continue with soap dick. So what's really fucking funny is that I was watching a YouTube video about this earlier this morning, and Zach was in the room. Well, I guess he was technically like in the, the in the next room, but it's like an open floor plan you're, situation. You're doing what that blogger's doing, where you're putting way too much information. You're right. Well, I mean, these people don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Zach is not paying attention to shit I'm doing, and then all of a sudden he's like, I'm sorry, did I just hear soap dick? <laughs> it was a valid question. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't, if you don't stop in your tracks when that name is present, then you have seen enough in your life that that's not impressive enough to you. And I have not. So, yeah, I get stopped in my tracks when someone says soap dick. See, I've come across a name enough times today that I've no longer phased by soap dick. So, <laughs> sorry, like we didn't. We third didn't... generation soap dick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I become inoculized to soap dick. Excellent. Uh, so she'd come back to work after a day off and around noon went to room uh, 1046 to clean it, finding that the door was locked. She knocked, Owen let her in, which surprised her a little bit since a woman had been staying in the room bef- uh, before her day off. She apologized and said that she can come back later, but Owen said it was all right and just go ahead and clean. Moments later, Owen had told her not to lock the door because he was expecting a friend in just a few moments. Soptic noticed that the shades were tightly drawn. This was true every time she or any other staff member um, entered the room. And that the lamp on the desk provided the only light, which was very dim. Mm. Vampire. Uh, hmm? Vampire. Oh, ooh. That's what well, I'm I mean, going he, with. He wasn't trying to sparkle in front of her. I mean, you know. First of all, that's not real, okay? <laughs> Vampires are real, and that's not real. No. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, in her signed statement to the police, she had said that from his actions and the expression on his face, Owen seemed like he was either worried about something or like he was afraid. And that he always kind of wanted to keep in the dark. Vampire. Van- literally, like, <laughs> he's like, please don't draw the shades. I will burn. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that a wooden stake in your hand? Yeah. Please back off. <laughs> Why is there a priest in the building? Can you tell me? Because I don't need any of his water. Did you have Italian tonight? I'm getting <laughs> There's a lot of garlic on your breath, and I can't talk to you right now. My eyes are stinging. Uh, while she continued cleaning, Owen put on his overcoat, went to the bathroom to brush his hair, and then left the room, reminding her to leave the door unlocked because he was expecting a friend. Oh. Mary Soptic didn't see Owen again until about 4 o'clock when she went back to 1046 with some fresh towels that had been uh, delivered by the laundry. The door remained unlocked, the room was dark, and she could see from the light in the hallway that he was lying across the bed completely dressed. Presumably from the light in the hall, she noticed a note on the desk. Uh, while she was dropping off the towels, she read the note and said, Don, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Wait. The next morning, Thursday, January 3rd, Soptic uh, headed to 1046 around 10.30 a.m. to clean it. <sighs> my god <laughs> y'all just so that you're fully aware can we just take a moment and talk about how i used to live with both these motherfuckers <laughs> and it was like living with two children <laughs> I just do just, under- you understand like the best part of this is that if i was still living here zach and i would be on a regular basis just going hey soap dick just like from somewhere in the apartment in the house just, just imagine just like, to get your reaction just be well like- the, the best part is i wouldn't have a reaction anymore <laughs> Uh, that's the reaction we're looking for. Excellent. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, she goes to the room 1030 to clean. Assuming Owen was out, she unlocked the door with her pass key, which only she could do if it had been locked from the outside. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, why the fuck is this room being able to be locked from the outside? Yeah, how fucked is that? Like, like that's hey, really you. fucking fuck weird. Fuck you, you're staying in there. <laughs> so you know you're a terrible yeah. guest is where they just lock you into your own room. <laughs> you're going to open up those shades whether you like it or not. So you do, you're, you're staying in there, bitch. <laughs> So 
when she enters the room, he's sitting there in the dark. She realizes that someone else had locked the door from the outside. Because the last time she was there, that shit was unlocked. What the fuck? <laughs> the Stop telephone rings. I'm fucking out. The telephone fucking rings. Owen answers, and after a moment said, No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast. And after a moment, he... <laughs> Sounds like he's talking to his best friend. (laughs) (laughs) And after a moment, he repeats, no, I'm not hungry. (laughs) Code words are not passing through to to Owen. (laughs) No, Owen's dumb shit, okay? (laughs) Oh, no, sorry, Don. Don's a dumb shit. Don, whatever. I mean, I'm assuming it's Don. Soap dick, right? Yeah. No, soap dick's the woman. And she's overhearing this happen. Yeah, and she's overhearing the conversation between Don and, no, Owen and Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Owen and Don. Gotcha. Again, we're presuming it's Don because that's his buddy, right? He's like, no, Don looks at her and goes, winks like really big and goes, I don't want lunch. I just had breakfast. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she was never supposed to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, after cradling the phone, Owen um, asked the maid about her job. Did she uh, have charge the entire floor? Was the president in a residential hotel? Then he looks around and then said that he uh, that the Mullenbach Hotel that he had stayed at previously had tried to hold him up um, on the price of a... Uh, on the price of an inside room, just like 1046. Soaptic finished cleaning, gathers up the soiled towels and leaves. Around four o'clock, she um, brings clean towels again. Uh, she heard two men talking and knocks gently on the door. A rough voice asks, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> What's the password? <laughs> <laughs> the maid identifies herself and then says that she wanted to leave the clean towels. Can, we- I, can, I, can I stop there? Yes. When she... When she said that this is soap dick, did she hear a giggle? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can come in. (laughs) They just actually do this to her all the time. (laughs) I know who you are, but say it. (laughs) We don't need any, replied the rough voice loudly, which is a very peculiar since soap dick knew there was no towels in the room, having removed them earlier the morning herself. (laughs) Um, That morning, Jean Owen, with no relation to uh, Roland, just let's get that fucking clear. clear <laughs> a 30 year old woman who uh, lived in lee's summit drove to kansas city to, to do some shopping and then met with her boyfriend joe reinhardt who worked at the midland flower shop uh, after a few hours of shopping she started to feel Ill, feel ill and went to the flower shop and told mr reinhardt that she didn't feel up to going out that night and she would get a room at the hotel president so that she could avoid driving back to lee summit until the next day Plot thickens. it does thicken she told reinhardt that she would let him know what room she was staying in uh, she arrives at the hotel around 6 and registered a little uh, a little over half an hour later. Jean uh, calls Reiner about uh, 10 minutes to 7 and told him that she was staying in room 1048, uh, which is just a couple rooms away from 1046, in case uh, you weren't following along. <clears throat> well, actually, if it was, if it's like ours, it's right next to 1046. Oh, yeah, because even like, even's are right on one side. Yeah. yeah, so that means they're bosom buddies. Sorry, I really I hope that, that term. I really hope that they had like an adjoining door in the middle. <laughs> oh God! And he would—I mean, either one of them would put their ear to the door to listen. Yeah. Uh. Um. So Reiner comes to the hotel about two and a half hours later, and they visited for another two hours, and then he leaves. <laughs> two hours, I get. That. <laughs> they were boning. <laughs> oh, they were totally boinking. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why Owen got pissed. The other Owen, the Roland Owen. He's like, he's like, fucking, I'm trying to sleep in my dark room, and they're fucking over there. <laughs> oh, he's just here. Yeah, he, he just, you know, he calls Don. He's like, these fuckers, y'all go to lunch now. <laughs> lunch at like 9 p.m. <laughs> he's like, I'm not, hung- I'm not hungry anymore, Roland. I already had dinner. He's like, well, fuck you. And my appetite's been ruined. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Okay. Um, 
In Jean's statement to the police, she said that during the night she heard a lot of noise that sounded like it was on the same floor and consisted largely of men and women talking loudly and cursing. Mm-hmm. Um, when the noise continued, I was about to call the desk clerk, but then decided not to. <laughs> what a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> she could have saved a life. <laughs> she could have. God. But she feels like shit now. I mean, yeah. she's probably dead now. It's many, Good. many moons later. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um... Charles Bocher was the elevator operator for the graveyard shift at the hotel, and he started to work a little bit before midnight on January the 3rd. For the first uh, hour and a half of his shift, he was pretty busy, but around uh, half past one, business was tapering off, though there seemed to be a fairly boisterous party in room 1055. As he puts it in his statement, uh, sometime in the first three hours, quote, I took a woman that I recognize as being a woman who frequents the hotel with different men in different rooms. It was my impression from this woman's actions that she is a commercial woman. She just knows how to, you know, she knows how to sell it. She's good. She's a bit, she's an entrepreneur. Okay. Yes. This is 2019. She's an entrepreneur. I, I know in 2030, 1935, not 2035. It's the future. The future. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for sending this report back to us. <laughs> it was Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Spectral Northwest, for traveling through time and space. I think, I think we have a contender for the title of the episode. Thank you, Spectral Northwest. <laughs> Write that shit down. <laughs> I don't have anything. Kanye's going to get mad that we found <clears throat> out. Oh, fuck. I pissed off Brad Pitt last week, and I'm pissing off Kanye. You pissed off Brad Pitt, you Angelina Jolie. Bad, bad Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> and now you've pissed him off. He's bad Pritt. Okay. <laughs> He's like, we're changing my name. <laughs> uh, I took her to the 10th floor, and she makes inquiries about room 1026. About five minutes after this, I received a signal to come back up to the 10th floor. Upon arriving, I meet the same woman, and she wondered why she, uh, the man wasn't in his room, because he had called her and had always been very prompt upon his appointments, and she wondered if uh, he might be in room 1024, because the light was on in there, and um, the transom was opened. I don't know what that means. The transom? Yeah. Okay, Mr. Hotel Manager, what the fuck's that mean? Fucking, I don't know. I mean, we don't have transoms. Zach, check. <laughs> All right, I'll Zach, check it. <laughs> He gave me a theme that. song. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I wasn't going to. <laughs> How do you spell it? How's it spelled? Uh, T-R-A-N-S-O-M. Transom? That just sounds like someone had an extra T to ransom. I mean, they did. Although, I guess it would be a T, not an extra T. There's not already a T at ransom. Sorry. I'm Anyways, so she remains there for another 30 or 40 minutes. I received a signal to go back to the 10th floor. I went back. This time, the same woman appeared there and came down on the elevator with me and left the elevator at the lobby. An hour later, she returned in company with a man, and I took them to the ninth floor. I then received a signal later to go to the ninth floor around 4.15 in the morning, and the same woman came down from the ninth floor and left the hotel. In a period of about 15 minutes uh, after that, the man came down the elevator from the ninth floor, complaining that he couldn't sleep and was going to go out for a while. The woman searching for 10.26 rather than 10.46 raises some interesting questions. Who was she actually there to see? Was it Owen? Was it another man? Did she get the room number wrong, or did Owen inadvertently give her the wrong number? Did the woman have anything to do with what happened in 1046 that night? Uh, who we knows? Don't, yeah, we don't even know. <clears throat> uh, Blotcher describes the man... Oh, did you get the answer? So, okay, how do they use <laughs> how do they use the word transom in a sense? No, transom is weird, so it either means transom is part of the stern of a vessel where the two sides of its hull meet, which I highly doubt that's what they're talking about. Well, no, this is a hotel room door. Yes. I mean, maybe a <laughs> ship came to stay. Maybe. Um, yeah, how dare you judge a boat in a hotel room? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> and then another transom is a horizontal structure beam or bar uh, separating a door from a window above it. You so. know, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably that one. 
I'm still pretty sure it's the boat. I one. think it's the boat too. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Maybe I'm just stupid. Yeah, you are. I okay. think not knowing nautical themes. <laughs> He's the ever-loving fuck out of me. <laughs> all right, so we've got transom down, folks. You've all been educated. You're never gonna ever use this word again, but just just so you know it. Just, I'm happy that you're all learned now. Okay. Learned. <laughs> Um, he describes the man as being about five foot six, slender, about 135 pounds, wearing a light brown overcoat, brown hat, and brown shoes. He loved a good earth tone. The woman was about <laughs> five six with black hair, also weighing about 135 pounds, wearing a coat of black Hudson seal or an imitation Hudson seal. What a fatty! <laughs> Comparatively to the guy, it's like way different. <laughs> well, I mean, he was five six and 135 pounds. He kind of just sounds like a tiny You're person. Gross. Never mind. I hate him. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, the woman was also noted by James Haddon, the hotel's night clerk, when she left the building. Uh, he had recognized her as someone that had been seen in and out of the hotel at various times and at various hours of the night and early mornings. So he's, like, low-key calling her a little bit of a harlot. A little bit. He's not even low-key about it. Like, he's, if we were there, he'd be doing the, like, the eyebrow, like, tilted look at everybody every time he says, like, you know, she went out at night, huh? She's the lady of the night. And everyone's just looking at him. It's like, you know what? Why don't you just let it go, Steve? Whatever his fucking name was. Uh, I wasn't paying attention to that part. His name was definitely James. <laughs> Jimmy Jim. Whatever. Excellent. Um, the next known encounter between Owen and the hotel staff took place Friday, a little after 7 o'clock, when Della Ferguson, the, ho- the hotel's telephone operator, took over the board. She noticed that the board had indicated that phone f- the phone for 1046 was off the hook. At 10 after, when the phone was still off the hook, with nobody using it, she requested that a bell service... Uh, sent up a bellboy to the room to tell the occupant to hang up the phone. The bellboy was Mr. Randolph Probst, who we've talked about before. Yeah, Mr. Probst. Oh, Randy. <laughs> um, who had taken Owen up to the room when he first checked in. When he got to 1046, the door was locked and a do not disturb sign was hanging from the knob. Probst knocked loudly and got no response. After a moment, he again... Oh, he fucked up. That's a big no-no. <laughs> you do not knock on a door that says... Do not do not disturb. disturb. It's fucking there for a reason. He's lucky he didn't get well, fired. Well, then I'm just gonna start hide. That's where you hide dead bodies then, just in a hotel room with the do not disturb sign on. We do knock when like you know you fucked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's we're been like, like a hey, week. Like, if you're just sitting there screaming in your room and there's a do not disturb sign, we're not gonna go. Oh, don't bother him. Like we're like something is wrong. We need to. Maybe enter. that's his therapy. He has to just sit there and scream. <laughs> well, he's disturbing the other fucking guests. So he needs <laughs> to do that somewhere else. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um. After a moment, he knocks again loudly and finally heard a deep voice say, Come in. He tried to. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the guy is just fucking with people all the time? He's like, Come in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's me. Uh, he tries the doorknob and, yep, it's locked. <laughs> he knocks again and this time heard the deep voice telling him to turn on the lights. <laughs> he knocked yet again and finally, after seven or eight times, yelled at the door, Put the phone back on the hook. And then he got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Look, bitch, just put the phone back on the hook. I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> he gets no response, returns to the lobby where he told Della that the guy in the room was probably drunk and that she should just wait an hour and then send somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Which, Man, those are the good old days where you could be a dick to a customer and everyone's it. like, that's pretty good service. Like, literally, he's just like, <laughs> they you know what? Me. Fuck him. <laughs> hey, fuck you, pal. Put your phone back on the hook. Okay, next time, less F-bombs. Just tell him to put the phone back in a very hostile tone. Yeah. So about half past eight, Della noticed that the phone was still off the hook, so she sends up bellboy Harold Pike up to ask Owen to replace the receiver. When Pike got there, he found the door was still locked, so he uses a pass key to let himself in. Again, indicating that the door had been locked on the outside. Again, why? <laughs> yeah, like, can they... So wait, if it's, if it's key-based, does that mean that the guy in the room has the ability to 
locks the door from the outside? Like, I don't know how this works. Is it like the same thing where you just turn the little thing? Like, what the fuck? How is he doing? I, this? you know, I'm not 100% positive. I've been, you know, I've never seen any situation like this. Because I mean, this was 1935, right? Yeah. So door technology has just. Is You're a fucking head. idiot. It's <laughs> so advanced now. Yeah. Like, you can't do those things anymore, which is, you know. Yeah, those are primitive impressive. doors. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, like, so when the maid came the first time, he said to keep the door unlocked. Imag- like, I mean, with the, like, this is giving me the assumption that it can only lock from the outside. Like Don took his key and just kept running him over there and just going, <laughs> and just, like, locking it and running away. And he's like, fucking Don! <laughs> not again! <laughs> I'm hungry! Invite me out of lunch! <laughs> this no, he was there. not hungry, remember? He was definitely not hungry. <laughs> not that time, but there's two days have passed where he's been locked in his room to think. Yeah, it's been, like, a week. <sighs> okay. Uh, he let himself in, blah, 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 blah. With the light from the hallway, Pike noticed that Owen was lying on the bed, naked, surrounded what appeared to be dark shadows in the bedclothes. Oh. Apparently okay, drunk. Dark shadows or, like, like clothes or something? Dark shadows in the bedclothes. Which means, like, the sheets. Oh, okay. <clears throat> That's fucking creepy. Like, why would you, like, not investigate further? Yeah, he's like, oh, you're a cool dude with your shadow friends. I I didn't want to interrupt what you're doing. <laughs> At least you have like, friends. What, That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> with the shadow people from the movie fucking Ghost, just, like, <laughs> fucking jerking him off in the bed or something. Well, I mean, like, he was like, naked. Um, <laughs> That's what I mean. So Pike straightens the stand and puts the phone on it, securing the receiver in its place. He locks the door behind him and returns to the lobby, <laughs> telling his supervisor that Owen was lying naked and apparently drunk. He's having a great time. I love how that's her excuse for everything. Uh, he's just fucking drunk. It's like, <laughs> what if something's wrong with him? He's like, I need help. I can't even put on my clothes, and there's shadow people screaming at me. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're cool with your shadow friends. And he goes down to goes, that guy's an alcoholic. Instead of trying to yeah, fucking help someone him. hit the ball real <laughs> yeah. hard last night. <laughs> Anyone doing anything slightly out of the norm, they're a fucking alky. Okay. <laughs> Uh, around 10.30 to 10.45 in the morning, another operator returned to uh, reported to Betty Cole, the head operator, that the phone for 10.46 was again off the hook. Jesus. Around 11 o'clock, Randy Probst heads back up to the room, noting the do not disturb sign was still on the door. He knocks loudly three times in no response. He opens the door with a passkey and enters. When I entered the room, this man was in within two feet of the door on his knees and his elbows, oh. holding his head in his hands. What? I noticed blood on his head, and then I turned the light on. I placed the telephone receiver on the hook. I looked around and saw blood on the walls, on the bed, and in the bathroom. I know how this is going to end, isn't it? He walks the fuck out of that room. <laughs> he just leaves him, like, walks him back in. <laughs> first guy reported shadow people. I don't know what the fuck is happening. Please put your phone back on the receiver. <laughs> That's all we want. <laughs> you know, you're good at this. <laughs> So I looked around, saw blood on the walls and on the bed and in the bathroom. He's nope gone out of there. <laughs> this frightened me, and I immediately left the room and went downstairs. <laughs> Love this shit. No one is trying to help. Everyone's like, this guy is a fucking alky. He's just cutting himself up and hanging out with shadow people. I'm not doing this. I'm not part of this. Like, it, but it's your business. Like, I don't understand. Like, somebody didn't get management or police involved. It's like, by the way, we no. want to resell this fucking hotel room. Let's just leave blood all over the walls and on the sheet. Like, it's he fine. yeeted the fuck out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he did make sure to put that phone back on the receiver. He's like, oh, oh, God. As he slowly puts it back on. I he's mean, like, he's not oh. an animal, Russell. And then, like, did he check the bathroom, too? Like, he was, he was like, oh, oh, as he slowly slinks around the man who's having a 
massive anxiety attack yep. while bleeding. He's like, oh, bathroom's kind of fucked up too, okay. And just leaves and goes, and I was frightened. It's like, what about him? Yeah. Well, what they, the fuck was going through his mind? They locked the, they locked the door when they left too. So he like, like oh, <laughs> like, God. This is for the best. <laughs> and goodbye. Yeah. Um, so Probst then rushes to the assistant manager, Mr. Weaver, and tells him what he had found. <laughs> Uh, joined by Percy Tyrell, they hurried back to <laughs> These names are so entertaining. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're great, like, mid-30s names. Yeah. I don't know if I can tell like, you. These come from straight from a novel. This is fake. Yeah. I don't think this is even real. Anymore. Oh, no, this is some real-ass <laughs> shit, Russell. Uh, but he could only open the door about six inches. Apparently, Owen had collapsed on the other side of the door. Ah, damn it, Owen. <laughs> well, I mean, huh. fucking Probably Randy. Probably prevented that shit from happening if you didn't just go, oh, and slink over him before. <laughs> Stepped over the bleeding. I was like, yeah, I just like imagined him stepping over this man who's just like clutching his bleeding ass head. Like, oh my God. He's like, ooh, you should get a band aid as he just leaves. He's like, just, ooh, that looks like it hurts. That's that's a stinger. I know it hurts when I get my head bumped and just it's like an asshole. I know every instinct is telling me to help the bleeding man, but that's just I can't. That's too much. Oh, fuck. What a pussy. Um, by newspaper accounts, uh, they say that. This is like a hundred, like not a hundred percent true. Uh, Probst saying like at that at the, to the to the reporters that he discovered Owen sitting on the edge of the bathtub with his head resting on the top of the sink. You know, so no one's really a hundred percent sure what the timeline is. I think these people, like, I mean, these dudes are probably like really like what the fuck, you know, <laughs> like justifiably so. So they probably got the details like a little wrong. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but I've got another theory. Okay, first and foremost, Probst was pissed the first time. All right, he was like <laughs> mad. I'm gonna say murderously so he goes in and he goes i told you to put the fucking phone on the receiver as he beats him to death with the phone (laughs) he goes it's for you and he just hits him one last line puts it back and leaves he goes yeah he was fucking weird he's bleeding all over the place (laughs) i mean there was no cameras no one was up there with him it's the 30s and people were already mad at him they're calling him alcoholic yeah and shadow friends um so (laughs) the police shortly arrive they arrive very shortly afterwards um they uh, owen's been restrained with a cord around his neck his wrists his ankles and it looked like he had been tortured no fucking shit i'm sorry like what (laughs) 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 um knife wounds knife wounds uh blood on his chest from over his heart one of the one of the knife wounds had punctured his lung his skull was fractured on the right side where he had been clearly stricken more than once there was bruising around the neck, suggesting a strangling as a part of his torture. Besides the blood that was on the bed itself, more blood spattered onto the wall next to the bed, and a small amount of blood could be seen on the ceiling above the bed. Is this fucking Rasputin? I mean, they're just like it is not shit out of him. Yeah. Uh, when Doctor Flanders arrives, he cuts. Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ned Flanders comes and cuts Donnie, the ropes this off. This is a book. This isn't real. Someone. It's happened. It. He cuts the cords around his wrists. His hands, uh, with his hands freed, Owen turns on the bathtub spigot, which Flanders immediately shuts off. <laughs> Detective Johnson asks Owen who had been in the room with him. Uh, Owen, while semi-conscious and barely able to talk, says, "Nobody." How how do you get hurt? I I fell against a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I fell and tangled up in this phone cord. <laughs> right, like what the fuck? <laughs> Had he tried to commit suicide? No, he mumbles and then fully slips into unconsciousness. Yeah, he's, he's rushed a, to the with hospital. A fractured skull, I bet. <laughs> well, okay, like my thing is, it's like okay, like who did this to you? Nobody. Okay, so you tied yourself up, hit your own fucking head against the bathtub, and then just like 
bounce around your hotel room getting blood everywhere. He goes, a guy's got to get off, okay? And just like, <laughs> I'm in there with some weird shit. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was hanging out with shadow friends. That were clearly not, just jerking him, okay? Yeah, you're not doing it for me anymore, shadow people. I got to fucking torture myself. <laughs> I'm going to bust this nut. I've been here for five days. <laughs> What's a day and a half? I don't know. <laughs> But based off this timeline, a lot of shit happened in a day and a half. It did. Uh, Dr. Flanders later um, puts the inflicting wounds at six to seven hours prior to his death, since a lot of blood in the body had dried to a hard mass, and the blood on the walls and uh, furniture had been solidified. The place, uh, this is the place of stabbing and cutting well uh, before Probe's trip to the room at 7 a.m. So... This was all happening while these people were going in and out of the fucking room. Jesus. That's impressive. That means that there was some guy hating, hi, hating, hating, hiding over by the transom and, <laughs> and just being we like, today. Oh, okay, it's time to go. And he runs back in the room and just starts stabbing a bunch of times. <laughs> oh and then he, and like, and he goes, he goes, and he like, he goes, stop taking the fucking phone off the receiver. They keep coming up here. That's <laughs> why like, he was doing I think, I like to think the guy was hiding behind the curtain, like in a movie and his yeah, feet were sticking like, out and nobody knows. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> As his feet are just kind of bouncing. Well, like I mean, the curtains were drawn very tight. It's too he was hiding his, behind his body. Yep, but his feet were sticking out. And that's they... actually really funny. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, well that's done. Really funny. Like I, we pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure we just solved this. I think so. Don <laughs> was over in the curtain the whole time, just going <laughs> like with his feet underneath <laughs> the curtain, and like every time someone came in, like he's like, "Don't you say shit!" <laughs> and like in that deep voice, you always kept saying, "Come in." I bet you it was Don. It was from Don. behind the curtain. Yeah, he's like, "Come on!" <laughs> like that. And he's like, "What the fuck? Why is this guy on the bed?" And so, yep. Okay, okay, so Don murdered him, hidden the curtains. <sighs> And then uh, Owen kept taking the phone off the receiver to try and get help. Yep. But uh, that's it. That We solved it. That's it. So let me tell you what really happened. Okay. Um. <laughs> so you're going to tell us the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. So well, detectives searched the room. They began to realize what they uh, did find might not be as telling as what they didn't find. There was no clothes in the room anywhere. No black overcoat, no shirt, no undershirt, no pants, no shoes, no socks. The closest thing to clothing was the label from a necktie. There were also clothing. Also, clothing <laughs> also oh missing were things like the usual hotel uh, hotel supplied soap, shampoo, and towels. Any sort of knife or other weapon that might have been used. Um, there was no, there was nothing. Uh, this, along with the cords that had bound Owen, caused the police to set aside the possibility of a suicide. Well, no fucking shit. I was about to say, it's like, you know what, guys? I think we figured it out. It's definitely not a suicide. <laughs> Good job, team. Um, Case closed. <laughs> besides the necktie label, which showed the ties originating from the uh, Botany Worsted Mills Company of uh, Pasick, New Jersey, the only items found in the room were a hairpin, a safety pin, an unlit cigarette, and a small unused bottle of dilute sulfuric acid. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> small unused. Small. That means that that, that torturer was like... Damn it. <laughs> I didn't get to use the sulfuric acid as he's like leaving the hotel. He goes, I knew I was forgetting something. <laughs> uh, there was also two water glasses. One remained on the shelf above the sink and the other lay in the sink, missing a jagged piece. The top of the, the glass top of the telephone stand yielded four small fingerprints, possibly from a woman or a man with tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's like woman or a man with tiny hands. Oh, no, like, that last bit was just me. Be. Oh, that was just <laughs> you. Okay. I really thought someone put that. It's like, well, no. I mean, a dude already has 
dope ass big hands. It's definitely <laughs> not gonna be one of them unless like, like well, what if it's a small man? Oh, well, this is 2019. Jamie clocking in saying it could have been a man with some small hands. I don't know. Like, why does it have it's to be true. a woman's hands? It Petite could be hands. It could be like yes. five foot baby hands. You know? <laughs> the baby hand strangler. I would say it could be someone with one of those little baby like plastic hands. He's <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to strangle you. He's like, you're not very strong. Fuck. Okay. Gene Owen, um, his the room neighbor, was held for questioning, was finally released when police were able to verify her account with Joe Reinert. Uh, Roland Owen slipped into a coma before they got him to the hospital. He died a little after midnight that Sunday, uh, January the 5th. Uh, during the night, the police queried the Lo- Los Angeles police, who have had no record of any Ro- uh, Roland T. Owen. Uh, before the night was over, via the wire photo process, the photo lab at the at the Star, which is I'm assuming some sort of publication, yeah. uh, sent Owen's fingerprints to the, fingerprints to the Justice Department's uh, Bureau of Investigation, which later became the FBI. <clears throat> nice. Doubts were already being raised to whether uh, Roland T. Owen was the actual name of the victim. A woman had called the hotel president during the night to ask for a description, and the victim then uh, they said the victim was a man who lived in Clinton, Missouri. Uh, by the Sunday, the Journal Post reported that police believe Owen registered under an assumed name. This was just the start. On Sunday, uh, people viewed the body at the uh, Melody McGilley Funeral Home. One report says 50, another says over 300. One of, the review- one of the visitors was Robert Lane, which was the man at the very, very beginning of the story. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and Lane identified the victim as the man who had stopped him on 13th Street. He saw the deep scratch on the arm and he had noted that he had noted that Thursday night. He was under... Uh, Unsure, he was sure that the this was the man who had waved him down under such unusual conditions. Detective Johnson, though, dismissed the identification, not believing that the passenger was, quote, Owen. Um, though I haven't found anything that indicates that he had doubted that Lane picked up somebody. <clears throat> um, so for the rest of this article, they put Owen in quotes because it may or may not be him. Uh, just throwing that out there. So I mean, anytime I say Owen, just <laughs> it's like it understood maybe. Question I mean, mark? at this point, we've accepted it as Owen. He doesn't get to have a new name. So he's oh, Owen now. No. Oh, he... it gets better. It does. There's a plot. <laughs> I told you it's a twisty bitch. It's a twisty bitch. Um, the police said they don't know, uh, they don't see how Owen could have possibly gotten out of the hotel without any of the staff or any passerby's no- passersby noticing him. Uh, Another account says um, they, you know, no one saw him enter either. So, like, no one ever saw him leave or come back. <clears throat> The story had been picked up on the wire services, and more and more people started contacting the Kansas City police to see if the victim might be a relative or a loved one that had gone missing. Uh, most of these people either included no description or the picture of a missing relative, or they sent a description or a picture that bore zero resemblance to Owen. The police began requesting that people send pictures to help speed the identification process. Uh, the Kansas City Police Department also started sending letters and telegrams to police departments in cities throughout the country, trying to track down the large number of leads that they were amassing. <clears throat> The police established that Owen had been seen in certain liquor places on the 12th Street in the company of two women. As the detectives started to hear back from other police departments around the country, they began to close out the huge number of leads they were receiving, and uh, new leads were slowing down. Upon re-examining the room on Sunday, police uh, briefly thought they had come upon an important clue when they found a discarded towel that was covered with blood. They concluded, though, that the towel had been left by a hotel employee that had been sent down to clean after the initial forensic examination by the police. I assumed that someone had remembered a Soptic's statement that police had spoiled or picked up the soiled towel. Jesus Christ. That she had picked up the soiled towels on Friday and had not been allowed to deliver the fresh ones later that day. 
Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. At some point, detectives followed up on the statement that Owen had been staying at the hotel uh, Mulabach the night before, uh, coming to the president. They found no one named nobody named Roland T. Owen had registered at the Mullenbach. But on the night in question, a man who looked like the picture um, had stayed there, insisting on an interior room, and he had given L.A. as his home address as well. His name in that register was Eugene K. Scott. The police contacted LA LAPD again, this time concerning a Eugene K. Scott, and received the same response when they had queried about Owen. The LAPD had no record of anyone living in Los Angeles named Eugene K. Scott. Detectives also tried to figure out more information on the other man, who was coming to be known as the Mysterious Don. <laughs> Sounds cool. <laughs> it was kind of a dope little nickname. Yeah. Um, was he the same man who was Owen slash Scott's room with the unnamed woman Thursday night and Friday morning? Were they the couple? Uh, were they the couple who had stood about five foot six? He in all brown, she in all black, except for the fur collar on her coat. Could he be the one, the rough voice man? Who knows? Was Don the man that uh, Robert Lane identified as Owen? Because remember, he said he was going to kill somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do want to like step back. So, I mean, I'm sure that. <laughs> I'm sure that the cops, as soon as they heard it, they were like, fuck that guy. But why did nobody else go, can we identify the shadow people? Like, no <laughs> one has thought, like, I'm, that's what I mean. Like, like, as soon as that guy said, like, shadow beings, he's like, all right, you, you're inadmissible. You don't get to talk anymore. Like, but, like, I would have been concerned. I would have been like, we got to talk about these shadow people. I think that they're real. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, um... Soon um, after that, others came forward and identified the body. Um, Ernest Johnson of Kansas City viewed the body and positively identified Owen slash Scott as his cousin Harvey Johnson, formerly of Dallas, Texas. Um, Ernest Johnson's sister, Mrs. Anderson, came to view the body later and told police that her cousin Harvey had died five years ago. Ernest was surprised and indicated that Owen and Scott looked exactly like Harvey. On Friday night, January 12th, Tony Bernardi of Little Rock, Arkansas, viewed the body at the funeral home. And uh, Bernardi was a wrestling promoter promoter and uh identified owen scott as the same man who had approached him several weeks earlier wanting him uh to sign for some wrestling matches uh bernardi said the man had given a name given the name cecil werner and said that he had wrestled for charles loke of omaha what all right no oh, sorry oh i think you were yawning i thought you were like making a face like oh my god oh no, no sorry yeah, i was just yawning I, I apologize i won't do it again yeah if you could refrain from yawning on my show that'd be great anyways continue yes uh ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, on Saturday, Locke looked at pictures that had been sent to Omaha, but didn't recognize Owen Scott as anyone that had ever wrestled for him. So who the fuck is this guy? Like, I have a lot of questions. Um, yeah. On Tuesday, January the 15th, Lester Kirker and Clarence Ratliff, two city detectives that were reassigned to the Homicide Squad, um, were investigating two other murders beyond the one at the hotel president. On Monday morning, Vincent Sabolsky, uh, manager of the Mid-State Finance Company, was his was in his backyard when he was shot in the abdomen and abdomen and shoulder after getting out of his car. Monday night, carpenter John Logan was found near Missouri Avenue and Harrison Street in an alley. Logan had appeared to have been killed with an axe. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think anyone ever doesn't react that way when they find out somebody's been killed with an axe. Like any kind of medieval weapon, it's like that guy got hacked to death with an axe. Like, oh shit. I feel like the same goes with like someone that's like just like hacked off with like a machete or some shit. Like Yeah, any yep. anything as brutal as that, no one goes, Oh that's that's normal. Like oh, everyone's yeah. like, Fuck Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. But you know what? And I'm I'm sorry I'm on this tangent now, but so you know, if someone's like, Oh, that dude got shot, I go, Oh, okay. 
But you think like back in medieval days, like someone was like, yeah, he got hacked to death with an axe. Like, wow, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, probably. Like, you know how wild it was when someone started getting killed with arrows first? Like, Whoa, what the shit? <laughs> they didn't be near you to do it? <laughs> you wasn't even near him? How? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go ahead. So as time goes on, the detectives continue to follow leads, but Owen and Scott's case seem to grow colder and colder. Sunday, March the 3rd, the Journal Post published an announcement that Owen slash Scott would be buried the next day in the Potter's Field. Detective Johnson said that he had hoped to someday identify the man who had been mysteriously murdered. The burial didn't take place as announced. The funeral home received an anonymous phone call. The caller asked that the body not be buried immediately and promised that he or she would soon send funds to cover the costs of a proper funeral. On Sunday, Saturday, March 23rd, uh, the funeral home received a special delivery envelope containing a cash wrapped in a newspaper. It was enough to pay for a funeral and a burial. The sender remained unidentified. The funeral home shared the information with the police, and the funeral was held, um, and his body was buried in Memorial Park Cemetery in Kansas City. Uh, on Wednesday, a woman called the Journal Post, refusing to identify herself, and told the paper that, quote, Roland Owen was not buried in the potter's field. Call the undertakers and the florists, and you'll learn that Mr. Owen's funeral expenses were paid and that a floral tribute was placed on his grave. The flowers were secured from Rock flower company in in the same way that the funeral and burials were set up although the anonymous money to cover the bouquet of 13 roses had been sent twice with the five dollar payment for the flowers and a card to be placed with the flowers on the grave and the card read love forever louise baker's dozen yes 13 flowers 13 roses i must have meant something Mm-hmm. oh shit <laughs> oh the plot thickens <laughs> um so nothing happens for over a year and a half fall of 1936 another woman thought that she had recognized owen's picture when she came across the american uh, an article in the american weekly um or uh i think it was renamed to the official detective stories review the picture looked very much like the son of a friend of hers whom the family had not seen not seen since he left birmingham alabama in april of 1934 for over a year ruby ogletree great name again this is fantasy novel shit like these names i know so ruby ogletree had not received anything from her son except for three short typed letters the first of which was mailed in the spring of 1935 after ona had died mrs ogletree had exchanged uh, more than one letter with j edgar hoover had oh. written yes j edgar hoover <laughs> casual name now though. it's it's starting to get like it's starting to get i've also talked with j edgar hoover it's like i'm sure you have <laughs> um and she had written to the u.s consul in cairo egypt seeking help in finding her son uh, when she received the magazine from her friend, she finally verified what she had long feared. Her son was dead. Mrs. Ogletree exchanged letter- letters with the Kansas City PD, and on November 2nd, 1936, 20 months to the day that uh, he had registered at the hotel president, several newspapers around the country carried the story that let us know that Ro- Roland T. Owen's real name was Artemis Ogletree. His mother gave Ogletree's age as 17. He also, she also explained that the ca- scar on his scalp above his ear was a result of a childhood accident when he was burned by hot grease. Um, over time, other facts oh. came out. I know. Um, one of the most important of these was that during his times in Kansas City, Ogletree had stayed at a third hotel, the St. Regis, sharing a room with another man who may have been Don. But uh, main questions remain unanswered. Who killed him? Why was he killed? What happened in 1046 that night? Was Don the rough voice man? Who's Louise? Was she the woman whose voice was heard? Yeah, that's it. Nobody fucking knows a thing after that. Jesus. Has this been made into a movie or TV show at all? You know, I don't know. I don't think it should. 
I kind of uh, really want to paints do that it, hotel as a dickhead. You know, like, well, fuck you, buddy. Put your phone down. Like, the whole time. No. Um, God. Do some of the shadow people. Yeah. <sighs> Was not addressed by any of the newspapers. That frustrates me. How did no conspiracy theories come out of that? He goes, guys, the answer's right in front of us. It's the shadow, <laughs> shadow people. people. So I, in that video I watched earlier, there's some conspiracies that like he, that Ogletree had had like some fiance that he was cheating on, and that like mm. his death was like a hit because he was cheating on his fiance, and hit. Lu- Louise is the fiance. I don't know. That's like the biggest like quote unquote inspir- conspiracy about the whole thing. But like the whole thing's just fucking wild. Yeah, it is wild. Whole, there's like, a lot. The whole thing was a roller coaster. There's a lot to unpack with that story. There was. That's why I was like, you know what? Russ needs to be here for this. That. I don't know. It was just. It was fucking wild. Like the whole thing. It's like, literally wild from start to finish. Like they have nothing. No idea. At no. All. There's no ideas. Like, and there's no proof that anything that anyone said that that was a positive identification. Yeah. I mean, like not until. I don't, I don't even believe that old woman. I don't. Like, because somebody else was like, that's Harvey Johnson. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's Artemis Ogletree. <laughs> Which is an amazing name. The leader of the bandit group from Kansas or wherever the fuck he was from. Alabama. Yeah. Um, like, it's like, well, like, that name, Artemis Ogletree. Actually, that sounds like a really, like, dope, like, indie band name. Yeah. Ar- yeah. In fact, I'm going to make one. And everyone's going to start. probably already I'm one like, out well, there. let me tell you. <laughs> like, and, They're and, abandoned Berkeley. You're too late. You're right. They probably are. Um, I know we've been talking at length. Do we even want to go over your your murder, or was did that he like have, a lot? Did you Did you actually find a murder? Did so he didn't have his own. We were going to talk about the staircase. Oh Jesus! That that the staircase is its own episode too. Yeah, like that was a lot already. In and that was itself. a lot. Like, that's mean, probably our longest episode ever. And it's just you. It is just me. Well, I mean, there was a lot of bullshittery that was oh, happening. Yeah, that's true. Well, yes, I but, mean, we tried to make sure we were listening, so that way, you know, the people who are listening could could hear about this fucking ridiculous story um but i still can't get over the shadow people like that's the one i won't let go <laughs> you can't you cannot say shadow persons beings and expect someone to just mull over that one like that detail <laughs> that doesn't get to just like oh yeah that's normal like it's not that's not even a slightly every year occurrence that no. never happens as soon as someone says i saw shadow beings in a room you Drop what you're fucking doing and investigate. Or you call that guy crazy, but I would still investigate. So, to be fair, he never said shadow people or that's shadow beings. I, that's what I'm saying. And that's, so you're, he, that's your reading between the lines. This isn't my fault. This is <laughs> I refuse to take any responsibility. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, yeah, I think we'll save the staircase for another time. Yeah. Again, that's its own entire that is its shit own show. Beast. Yeah, when you told me, I mean... Just a little tidbit for you folks. They told me that some people believe an owl killed this person. And uh, that should be palatable enough for your p- palate buds? Palate? Palatable, palatable enough, enough for your, for your palate uh-huh. <laughs> that you are now interested. Yes. Um, yep. So, yeah, I guess we'll leave it at that. Um, that was a hell of a ride. Yes, it was. That was. It's a it whodunit. Was that was and. A... I still think it was somebody hiding behind the curtains with their feet sticking out. I know. I don't think you're wrong. I know. I, know I, th- I think the whole thing was a kick in the soap dick. That's what I think it was. Oh, soap dick. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna let this go. Like there was gonna be another reference to soap dick. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, Russell, you don't really use social media anymore, do you? Um, he doesn't. No, it really depresses me. Um, that's so, fair. That's fair. But I mean, why? Have it? I, I have that Twitter, but I don't think I'm signed into it anymore. They probably deleted your account. No, it's still there. Because I remember, like, 
trying to like recover an account. And it goes, you have this one. And I'm like, oh shit, that's Piazza Phantasma. <laughs> I know, I follow I, it. <laughs> I, the only reason why I haven't deleted it is because I don't want anyone else to take that name. That's mm. a perfect name. It's the best name. No it's one a really else great, is. like, at, not gonna lie. Yeah, that's the best. Like, no one can do better. And I know that that's for fair. a fact. I have never even used my Twitter, but I know that for a fact. So there's no way we can plug in social media. He has none. I mean, it exists. He just doesn't use it. That's true. Look, I'll start using it if it... I, by that, I mean I probably won't start using it. But I'll say that I'll start using it if it makes you feel better. It doesn't, but that's okay. fine. Because I know the truth. All right. Um, I'm not very good at that stuff. Yeah, Zachary, Zachajoya, 19, everywhere. Everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think that's all we got for this week. Oh, is yeah. there anything like fun and fresh going on in your life? Did you watch anything cool lately? Did you read anything cool lately? <laughs> Sorry for the folks who can't see because uh, this it's isn't a full to pregnant pause. It's uh, <laughs> new with your life. Damn I it. just had my mouth agape as I looked upwards. I'll share mine and you can like think about yours. Okay. Because usually these episodes are like a pretty big bummer, so like we like talk about something like cool that we were like watching or reading or something. Oh, then you don't want to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Uh-oh. been reading sad stories. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, like, that's fine, too. I mean, babies, it's been my life this whole time now. (laughs) Um, Zach and I just started watching Euphoria. That show's pretty fucking good. Euphoria, yeah, Euphoria is heavy, though. It's very heavy. Um, it's on, it's HBO. HBO, yeah. Yeah. Um, has Zendaya in it. She's great. Show's great. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. Um, we also are, like, halfway, almost done with the first season of Mindhunter. Mindhunter is really good. It's fucking bananas. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of Manhunter. Never mind. I'm sure that's like, completely different. Well, yeah. I thought it was like a remake of a really good, um, the prequel to Silence of the Lambs, um, essentially the original Red Dragon, which was Manhunter, which mm. uh, really good movie if you get the chance to watch it. Different people playing all the characters that you're more familiar with, with, you know, um, Anthony Hopkins and, and those people. But mm. I thought that's what, it, I mean, I love those psychological, like, sociopathic murderers and things. I, mean, I don't yeah. want to be one of them because I don't know, I'm scared. Um, I mean, I feel like that's a justified fear. You know, I don't want to get caught. That's the big thing. Like, I don't want to kill people. But and then you'll end up on my caught. show and that's be like really weird and like meta. Yeah. And then you'll get me on the show. Like, I'll call in from prison. Yeah. That would be cool. You'd get a celebrity guest. You guys should get Dallas as your celebrity oh, guest. I'm Absolutely still, not. I'm still on board with that. He was on Hoarders. And I know that has nothing to do with murders, but you could say you're um, a celebrity guest. So, for those of you guys who don't know, Russ has this buddy from... Which is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so right. So, for me. those of you who don't know, all of you... <laughs> <laughs> Russell has this buddy that he grew up with named Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas Hoisington. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Hoisington. <laughs> and um, was it his mother? No, his dad. Sorry, yeah. yeah, his father that was featured on an episode of the TLC Classic... Orders <laughs> buried alive. <laughs> yes. It was. Uh, if you're, you know, this story was a roller coaster. That is a thrill seeker. It's true. If, if I can was... find like anywhere on YouTube where you could watch that episode of Orders, <laughs> I've tried. It's like really hard to like, like nail down. It's. I know the episode was. I think it was called "I Almost Gagged." Oh no! Uh, <laughs> like I think that's what it was called. Um, but that's the fun and fresh thing that Russell's sharing, yeah. by the way. Um, that's his it. friend on Hoarders. Wow, so I if really, I can find it, I will I link the can't. episode on the show notes. Yeah. It's a good episode. I still cannot seem to bring up something fun. Um, I started playing Borderlands 2 with Vicente, oh. uh, which is my son um, uh, that I adopted by marrying his mother. I don't know. It's uh, 
I feel like I'm like an imposter by saying he's my son, but I still, you know. I mean, he's a lot He's your adopted son. That's like the same shit. Yeah, I still love him like my son. So exactly. Um, He calls you Zaddy. No, he does not call me fucking Zaddy. (laughs) (laughs) And if he did, I would. That's the only time I will hit a child. (laughs) He says yeet, and I get close. But if he called me Zaddy, I'll be upset. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, There you go. That's fun. uh, But yeah, we started playing Borderlands two together. Like we always played games together. We try to bond on that because he likes games and I'm like here you should try this game out it's funny is how many times he'll find a game that is like a remake of something that you and I grew up on he's like yeah. what's this I'm like huh, you're not prepared for that one that one's difficult bud yes um, you know this is actually a really great segue into a shameless promo for Zach's podcast absolutely. oh yeah we're gonna record plans. right fucking after this that's yep. right we're gonna take a small break after and then we're gonna record <laughs> weekend plans with a with a quote from our sponsors <laughs> Except Zach doesn't pay me. Z- uh, wow, Zach doesn't pay me shit. <laughs> dildos made out of soap, soap dicks, soap dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was done, but I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, they're artisanal <laughs> soaps that are car- hand carved into Did dildos. You say artisanal? <laughs> artisanal soaps that are made out of. That's They're right. not made out of dicks. No, no, sorry. They're yeah, carved into dicks. And really awful. And just in time for fall, there's pumpkin spice scented. <laughs> and there's also a lovely salted caramel. Uh- <laughs> and then there's original scent. Come. <laughs> On that note, I will bid you adieu. Um, until next time, keep it real and goodbye. Yeah.